Hello and welcome to Pat Novak for Hire from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Little guy when he stood up in the back pew a couple of miles over. 
with his voice being the first trouble in the air. Jake, get out. You'll learn early to look for trouble, any place, any time. You can find it at the top of the mark or at the bottom of the bay. But this is the first time it's caught up with me in the middle of a church. The lead got his thickest confetti on New Year's Eve. I spun around and I made a dive for a little juice, but I wasn't soon enough. He went down like young hoot in a hailstorm. When I grabbed for him, I must have hit my head in the base of a marble pillar or something, and things got dark for a minute. I stumbled down the aisle and went to the street after the guy, but the odds were all on his side. The fog was so thick you couldn't read a newspaper with a twig light. I guess I covered every alley and street in the neighborhood, but it was like running after a half full of feathers in the middle of a windstorm. Oh, I don't know how much later it was when I stopped for a minute in an empty doorway and I tried to remember what I was thinking. The siren was crying somewhere in the distance, so I started back for the church. The coroner's wagon was just turning away when I got to him. Father Lady had disappeared. I saw a light in the rectory, so... I went upstairs and rang the bell. He came to the door in his shirt sleeve. He just stood there for a minute looking at me. Then he motioned me inside. You want to see me, Father? Yes. Be here. Sit down. The kid, Father. Little Jake. What do you think? Yeah. He goes fast. Instantly. I'll get the guy, Father. I'm not asking that, Patsy. I'm not asking you for anything anymore. Unless I need trouble. No, somebody told you a bad story, Father. That wasn't my gun. I should have known better than to call you. I should have known it meant trouble. It's your middle name, Patsy. You're married to it. You're looking for the wrong man. It wasn't my party. My cause is it at night to ask you a favor, Patsy. Anything you want, Father. It's too late now. We were going to have an altar boy's picnic tomorrow with Paradise Cove. I wanted to borrow one of your boats. We won't be going now, Patsy. We've got a funeral instead. Yeah. What do you want me to say? Don't say anything, Patsy. Just listen for a minute. I asked you to come up here tonight, but I didn't tell you to bring your friends. If you've got any private fights for those waterfront hoods, that's your business. But don't bring your beasts into the church. And I tell you, I never saw the guy before. I don't know anything about it. He was shooting at you when he hit little Jake, wasn't he? What else am I supposed to think? Yeah. They'll find the murder gun. Nothing else for you to Patsy. I like you better without the temper, Father. And I liked you better before your hands got dirty, Patsy. I warned you about that waterfront crowd, the cheap thugs, the cheap women. I told you, Patsy, roll around in dirt long enough and some of it's bound to stick to you. You've got it all over your face and your hands and it's working inside you, Patsy. It's working in deep. At the end of the sermon, Father, I tried to warn you that you had a figure. So figure this one, Patsy. There's a nine-year-old kid on his way to the north. He stepped in front of a bullet and saved your life. Now go ahead. Focus. Yeah, I will, Father. But you better be on call when I catch up with the guy. He's going to have a lot of praying to do. When I left Father Lazy, I slept in at the church for one more look around. A couple of red-faced Irish cops in uniform were wandering around the vestibule trying to look at home and chewing gum like mad to kill the beer on their breath. 
And over in one corner, half a dozen old women had their heads together, clucking like hands over a square egg. Outside of them, the place was deserted. I gave the course a quick rundown. A couple of hours over, where I figured the gunshot must have passed, I picked up a matchbook. The ad on the front said, Max George, Fisher, Illinois. And there was a phone number scrawled inside the cover. I was just about ready to toss it away when a bell rang, and I took a closer look. It was my phone number. I put the matchbook in my pocket, and I started home for the apartment. Maybe the cab wasn't going fast enough because halfway there, three years' stock of headache caught up with me in the sea and started to jump. Oh, the cab driver was kind, though. When we got to my place, he offered to help me with five to curb for an extra four bits. By the time I made it to my front door, I was feeling lower than any man of an Irish rake. The reception committee didn't help much. They were short and dark, all three of them, with rows of loose, oily fat where their necks should have been and small pig eyes that squinted through the cigar smoke rolling out of wide nostrils and up their faces. Hi, Ann Nelson. How do you feel? Lots better after you find the door. Hey, Jack. Novak don't like it. He'll cultivate it, Case. No, they don't build stomachs that strong. Stay nice. It's easier that way. Now, look, Buster, I don't know who you three pigs are. Now, Novak. Remember, be nice. Yeah, I remember. You West Coast punks are all alike, Novak. Couple of cats and you cry. Ain't that right, Lud? Maybe Novak's tired, fellas. Help him into a chair. Yeah, Novak. Sit down. <laughs> Blood wants to say something. All right, then say it and get out of here. We want the gun, Novak. We want the papers that go with it. Sounds like a great puzzle. Sorry, I can't help with the answer. You better tell Rod, Novak. It's liable to get rough. All right. My gun's over there in the desk and the paper's on the wall. Be nice, Novak. Just once more, Novak. Where's the gun and where's the papers? Look, I'll spell it for you. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. That's my... Get his arm. Yeah. All right, hold his head up. Yeah. Okay, Lord, there. This is the way they do it in Cicero. <laughs> Last time round, Novak, the gun and the papers were out I don't know. <laughs> the gun, Novak. The papers. No use, boss. We lost him. All right. It's a big floor. Let him find his own way back. Well, it was a long night for summer. When I woke up, the sun was bleeding through a rip in the blinds, and there was a funny smell in the room. My stomach felt like a piece of practice rope at a Boy Scout class. And then the room got noisy. Wake up slow, Novak. Have a hard night? You're never on time for the party, are you, Norman? I'm choosy, Novak. I don't like your friend. All right, then take up social work. What's the occasion? I got a phone tip. Thought I'd drop up for a visit. Having fun? Yeah. There's a gal in the kitchen bored to death. Huh? Take a look. Uh, Keep it hard. Who is she? Sally Kimball. That's what her driver's license says. Your friend of yours? How would I know? Even her mother couldn't tell. Nice stuff, isn't she, Novak? Must have been a rough party. I wouldn't know, Helen. I closed early. It's your joint. What happened? I said I closed early. Three gunsels were drinking my scotch when I got home about 
They were anxious about a gun and some papers, and they figured I could put them straight. I couldn't, so they laid me out. Now tell me how sorry you are. I bleed for you, Novak. Now let's have it straight. That's as straight as you're going to get it, Hellman. If it's not exciting enough, try Esquire. He's off brave for a punkin' hot water. I'm not going to scream that it burns. Then you better start practicing, Novak, because I'm going to burn you. You better hurry, Hellman. Your pension's catching up with you. Watch your mouth, Novak. You're not talking to your dental friend. Now that's hard to tell, Hellman. You both use the same technique. Now show me the warrant before I start charging your rent. That dame's body is all the warrant I need, Novak. Now talk. How did she get so dead? I told you once. Pick up the three gunsels and ask them. What they look like? Like you. That's right. Smart. They're from the east around Chicago. What else? They wouldn't leave their birth certificate. Go ahead, smart boy. Get in all the laughs you can. But don't ask me to con the parole board for you. Oh, I don't know, Hellman. You won't be there. Maybe I'll like prison life. <laughs> Problem's getting bigger, Patsy. What am I supposed to do? 
I want you to check on a guy by the name of Mike Quinlan. Also a girl, Sally Simbro. Tag by the examiner and the chronicle boards and later on the horse parlors out on Eddie Street, will you? Find out everything you can. Well, all right, Patsy, but you've broken up a beautiful party. You've disillusioned me about Queen Isabella here, and I've suddenly grown dreadfully thirsty again. Let's have four or five for the road, shall we? Later, Jocko, we haven't got time. Well, only if you say so, Patsy. But every time I leave the hallowed confines of a barroom, I'm a poor pilgrim caught up in the vices of the crass everyday world. A tattered orphan leaning disconsolately against the bitter winds of chance, tossed and buffeted about endlessly by the cruel storms of fortune. By the way, I need Carter. All right, here, half a buck. But Patsy, refreshment. Later, you know, get going, will you, Jocko? Where can I find you? I'm going to check by my office, and I'm going to see Father Lady. Well, as soon as he mentions taking the pledge, that's your cue to leave. Good night, lover. When I left Jocko, I caught a cab downtown, and on the way, I started hunting for just a piece of the answer. But all I got was questions. Who were the three gunfolk and what was the stuff they were after? Mike Quinlan, where did he fit in? And that dead girl in my apartment, who did she belong to? Then the zeros were piling up faster than flies on donuts when the cab pulled up for a stop sign at 16th and Mission, and a little guy with a worried mouth and a loud sports shirt jumped in. His lips were wound around a phony kind of smile like a head waiter just before he hands you the check for a big party. <laughs> it's okay, driver, we're friends. <laughs> Quinlan. My Eddie Street informant tagged him as an ex-con, Patsy. 
sent up for armed robbery in 1940 and paroled about two weeks ago from Joliet. Quinlan had a few dealings with a man named Matt Sandell. From what I can gather, Quinlan's supposed to have taken the rap from Sandell and his brother. What else? Quinlan's a local boy out of Bernal Heights. He has a sister, Patsy. She belongs to Sandell. She's probably the only sales girl in town with a six-room apartment in the best part of the marina. You got the address? Bayview Towers, down at the foot of Fillmore Street. Sounds good. Maybe she has a friend. Did you get anything else on Sandell? The Turk Street set tells me he's out here to set up a slot machine route. I gather he's the pushy type. Thanks, Jocko. I'll see you at the apartment. Oh, Patsy, on your way home, pick up something for dinner at the delicatessen, will you? There's stuff in the icebox. Fix yourself a sandwich. Patsy, dinner without bourbon is life without hope. I'll borrow from the neighbors. Good night, lover. down into the marina. The rancher box was still stocked with questions, and little Jake Stiller held a four-lap lead, but at least the field was getting thin. I figured it was one out of three. Sandell or either one of his gentles, but which one? Well, when I got down to the foot of Fillmore Street, the fog was thicker than ankles at a fat lady's convention, and the foghorns out beyond Yacht Harbor started on overtime. The Bayview Towers was one of those fancy, new-looking places that gets old in a hurry. It saw lots of brass and brunettes during the war, but now the only uniform left belonged to the doorman. I found Quill and sister in the penthouse apartment. And as she opened the door, she felt like Clyde Beatty with a broken chair. Her laundry pajamas reminded you of a good butler. They came in and went out at the right places and then stayed close to the job. I felt like the fifth boy after somebody blew out his candle. Fine. Talent on the loose. Want you come in? Yeah, it's pretty time. My name's Novak. I got some news for you. I'm Bobby Quinlan. Look what's the flash. I'm looking for answers, ladies. If you want a companion, advertise. Your brother's dead. Sandell shot him. Mine's such a big imagination, Mr. Novak. Why don't you relax? Yes. Look, I got proof in my pocket, baby. You want the rest of this couch now? Yes, Novak. It's going to get worse with your brother gone. Take a look at the paper. Look. Yeah, you've been practicing. Oh, 
Before I get up to the next morning, things got lots clearer for everybody. The story was the keep earth at time, but then so were the characters. After Mike Quinlan joined up with Sandell and his boys back in 1940, they pulled a bank job in Chicago. And instead of cutting in Mike on the tape, Sandell framed him to take the rap for the three of them. Then Sandell came west to operate and lined up Quinlan's sister for his girlfriend. By the time Quinlan was paroled, he was cast on Sandell's game and he had lots to beef about. He lined up enough good evidence to put Sandell and his two boys away for life, and then he threatened to spill it if Sandell didn't cut him in for his share of the job and stay wide of his sister. Sandell wasn't generous, and he wasn't genteel, so he played along with his parents' cheek and his gun in his pocket. When the time came to swap money for evidence, Quinlan took the church for a trading ground and eventually hid in the box of the evidence. That's where we finally found it. The deal was all set to go when something scared Quinlan off and Sandell came in, mistook me for Quinlan and put little Jake. Sandell's boys tried to get at Quinlan through his girl, Sally Kimbrough, and when she wouldn't spill, they killed her in front of the body in my apartment to take care of the opposition. Mac and Seventh Elf. 